0: You're listening to an unlocked episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults. For more episodes like this, and to support the production, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash k-a-r-e-n-g-e-i-e-r. This is On Belief. A podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 2, Episode 7, Steve Hassan. Steve Hassan is not your average cult expert. He spent time as a prominent member of the Unification Church, also known as the Moonies, before being exit counseled, and starting a new career researching and helping clients escape cults. Steve has written numerous books and has been a cult expert on hundreds of media appearances. He's been on the Leah Remini Scientology program, he's been a guest on CNN, and many more. He's recently finished writing a book called The Cult of Trump. And he joins us today to discuss that very topic and to explain why the rise of Donald Trump is a great example of coercive thought reform on a large scale. Welcome, Steve. Steve, can you tell us about your time at the Reunification Church?
1: I was uh, raised in a conservative Jewish family in Queens, New York approximately one mile from Donald Trump, I might add. And I was a creative writing major, writing poetry, had long hair and work boots. My father had a hardware business that I worked in. later I became a banquet waiter on the weekends when I was in college studying English writing and poetry. And I was deceptively recruited by three women who were flirting with me, thinking and saying they were students at Queens college. Uh, this was right after my girlfriend had, had broken up with me and I was a bit low. And they, the recruiters lied systematically and uh, lied about being students, which they weren't, lied about not being a religious group, which they were, of course. But I was love bombed. I was flattered. They asked me lots of questions about myself and I shared it. And as I've written in my book, Combating Cult Mind Control, my story, I'll keep it short, except to say that within a few weeks, I came to believe God was in the group and that God was summoning me to save humankind, that the world was coming to an apocalyptic end and and was going to be recast. And Moon and his, his followers would be running the world in a theocracy and uh, all of the the communists and all of the secularists and all the gay people and everyone else, we would basically kill them and send them to the spirit world and save them later. And uh, as someone who criticized Nixon when I was normal, when I was in the moon cult, I was fasting for three days on the Capitol stairs because the Messiah, Sun Myung Moon, told me god wanted him to be president even though he was being impeached for crimes and when i woke up I, I was i was uh crying for three hours so i how you know i was educated about hitler and the holocaust how could this happen to me how could i believe that the holocaust was necessary because the Jews didn't accept Jesus. How could I turn my back on America and democracy and think that that democracy was satanic. So I had such a radical, radical personality change. And I should say that I was trained to die on command or kill on command, which I um, was prepared to do in that state of mind. When I woke up from that trance and and started understanding Chinese communist brainwashing uh, and my deprogrammers used thought reform and the psychology of totalism by Robert J. Lifton, I wanted to understand how did this happen to me? And so now you're talking with me about 43 years later and, and, uh, hundreds and hundreds of talks and lectures and workshops and, and media appearances. And now we have the president of the United States who has the stereotypical profile of a cult leader, uh, malignant narcissism, um, mm-hmm. and is exercising the same kind of manipulation techniques that mind control cults use to, um, uh, influence for power, uh, money and sex. And we are all polarized in the United States instead of coming together with our common uh, core commitments to human rights and the Constitution, the separation of church and state. Um, And uh, it's it's serving serving the agenda of um, totalist elitist dictators like Vladimir Putin. It's uh, serving uh, people who want to influence governments and make it over in a pseudo-Christian-esque vision, as well as libertarians and other, other special interest groups that want more power and such. So it's very upsetting and also exciting to have a book with a major publisher, backing me and we'll see if people read the book and what they what they make of it, but so far people have said it's wonderfully researched and uh, terrifying <laughs> it is terrifying upsetting But it also explains exactly what's going on as well as offers a way of, of how to approach it to, uh, to to correct it
0: Why did we see an extreme rise in people joining cults in the late 60s and early 70s? Is it similar to people seeking out psychedelic experiences, meaning that they wanted something different that was going to uplift them? After all, Scientology originally carried the promise of getting high without drugs.
1: It was the CIA that was searching for the Manchurian candidate and and created the LSD whole uh generation because of of uh, their experimentation for mind control purposes initially and then 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 the substance started being used by others and people like tim leary who was originally at harvard who was part of the MKUltra research said hey everyone should get high and and we should destroy all the military industrial complex, at which point, you know, he got minimized and marginalized dramatically. No, it's, uh, you know, people need to understand that as technology keeps advancing, as science keeps advancing, so does our understanding of the human mind and how it can be influenced for the good or for the bad is developing. And that people who have nefarious motives whether it's power, money, or sex, or all three, they want to keep people ignorant because then they can do their thing much more easily and exploit them for money and power and sex. And of course, myself, having been in a, a mind control cult and being deprogrammed in 1976, and, and 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 fortunately being mentored by some of the top people in the world, people like Robert Lifton, Philip Zimbardo, to name just two of many, many. They more or less encouraged me. they said, "Hey, they did it to you, and you did it to other people. So study psychology and explain what happened to you, yeah. Steve, to you know, break it apart, break the system apart and explain it. So that's what I've been doing for the last forty plus years.
0: In your book, you talk about how narcissistic, abusive type people make the best cult leaders. So do you think that it was Trump's history of being an abusive partner and an abusive business partner that helped him become the head of a cult today?
1: It seems to me that the whole use of hypnosis um, by by the CIA going back to the, even the 50s, which is longer than my 40-year window, uh, they, they they consulted with Milton Erickson who is the psychiatrist who uh, created or pioneered or developed uh, process-oriented or naturalistic hypnotic techniques. And that uh, the NLP founders, Richard Bandler and uh, and John Grinder, um, modeled um, their NLP stuff on Milton Erickson's work. And they started giving trainings to CEOs and Tony Robbins learned the NLP, called it something else, did a business deal so they wouldn't get sued. He wouldn't get sued for stealing all the NLP stuff. And then Tony Robbins has gone off, you know, uh, writing books, doing tapes and trainings and teaching CEOs and coaching them. So from my point of view, this, This, uh, dark side of, of the psychology of influence, um, that didn't go, um, uh, in the direction of therapy and helping people get better, but, but got taken up by people for power, money, and sex. Um, I, I think that's the frame of where Donald Trump was exposed to this, the the pickup artist stuff. The videotapes online on how to use hypnosis to pick up girls or boys, I might add, um, as well as when you when you say transactional, um, I can say categorically as a moon leader, uh, they didn't sit me down and say, hey, Steve, let's explain how to use hypnosis on people they paired me up with older members, uh, older brothers and told me to model myself after them and to really pray that that God will use me like God is using them. And it was a big open ended trance suggestion. Um, and so what I'm trying to convey is that it was behavioral modeling and and it was mirror neurons firing, uh, and and i might add that uh what we now know is that uh in the human population there's a bell-shaped curve um of uh with the tails one one side of the tail is low hypnotizability and the other tail is high hypnotizability and the vast majority of people are in the middle some with more gifts for going into a state of imaginative concentration, uh, and people who have, uh, not as strong a facility to do that. And what, you know, what I've come to understand as a mental health professional is having a high ability to focus and use your attention and to, uh, immerse yourself in something and to shut out stimuli this is hypnotic phenomenon and some people you know on this bell-shaped curve are more gifted than others at their ability to do that but if you study high performers whether it's sports or or uh, art or dance or even writing um, they have to go into a state of heightened focus where they are you know not even feeling that their leg is falling asleep or that, you know, the temperature is really cold because they're so in, in involved with what they're doing. Um, the professional basketball player who can shoot free throws, even though there's a hundred people waving their arms and yelling, yelling things at them, they have to use negative hallucination, which is a, a hypnosis term. They have to make the, the, those people disappear in their mind and in their ears and in their eyes so they can focus on shooting the ball in the hoop. And, and the really gifted free throw shooters will be able to imagine the, the hoop being really big and the ball being really small <laughs> and see the, see the arc before it leaves their, their hands with its swishing throw back to Trump. Has anyone actually trained him? We we know he doesn't like to read books. He he has ADD, uh, and so I I would assume that he was hanging out with the Jeff Jeffrey Epstein's of this world and learning how they do it. And uh, his I, I do want to comment since we're talking about hypnosis that I I write in the book about how I believe. Him uh, bragging um, at the Access Hollywood tape about grabbing a woman's genitals uh, is, is, a, is is what's known in hypnosis as a pattern interruption, where you're so shocking the person because you're behaving so outrageously that most people go into an immediate confusion state uh, and and don't know how to respond to something. Such an invasion of, of of body space and a violation of political correct um, action that they are then extremely vulnerable. If the person says, "You're so beautiful," you know, "You want me," and and makes a suggestion like that. Um, the only, the only people in my professional opinion, able to, to, to not react in a, in a responsive way to that are people who've been abused before or people who've been educated about how predators operate and such, and, and, and therefore have uh, an ability to be assertive and, and scream or yell or slap his face and, and then call the police.
0: You assert in the book that what we're looking at with Trump's behavior is a series of techniques that are immediately recognizable as techniques that cult leaders use. We've seen that his method of dealing with people is something that he's worked on for decades, and it's something that has worked for him for decades
1: well worked for him in a way but he also went bankrupt so many times and fell under the power of the russian mafia who bailed him out of his uh, 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 gambling casinos and hotel businesses and other flops his plane business um and i think that honestly he's he's largely being manipulated and used by much wealthier people it's my current belief
0: There are a number of theories as to why Trump won't release his tax returns. One of them is that he's overcapitalized to the oligarchical interests that he has borrowed money from, and that if they found that out in a disclosure, they might come and get him.
1: I think what would become clear is that there are direct control financial lines with Russian oligarchs. I think that's more the f- the fear. They do exist. I mean, he doesn't hold, have, physically have hold of everything, and I think to a certain extent, you know, the question is when he's how how long will he remain in power, or will he will he re- resign? Will he be arrested for treason? How things are going to play out is a uh, big question mark.
0: So you've known about Donald Trump for years. You've known about cults for years. How early on in Trump's presidential bid did you recognize the techniques that he was using as being those of cult leaders?
1: That's a good question. So I grew up in New York, so I had heard about Trump and seen some images of the gold and you know tacky golden um uh, uh, architecture and, and uh, interior designs of his places. I watched about ten minutes of The Apprentice, and I was just like, "Oh my God, people actually spend time watching this." Um, where where really leapt onto my my frontal portal, so to speak, was uh, in in 2015 when I was heavily researching ISIS recruitment online. And um, in fact, was invited as a guest to the Aspen Institute, where they had a, a closed session meeting with State Department counterterrorism experts, uh, wanting to understand why they were so successful at recruiting online. Um, and it was it, it was later, I think it was December of 2015, that Trump said uh, that he w- wanted a total Muslim ban. And when he said that, I said immediately, "Oh, what a wonderful thing to help ISIS recruit people. Oh my God." And I wrote a Huffington Post up uh, you know opinion piece about it saying something like Trump, ISIS's greatest collaborator. Um, and I was just appalled at the um, disregard for human rights and the demonization of the other and the us-versus-them thinking and the fear-mongering. And so from there, it just kept go- getting more and more extreme. I spent a good deal of time watching his, his rise as well as GOP. I like to turn on Fox News and look at ads online for conservative Republican people. When I was watching him deal on, on debates it became really obvious that he was using NLP esh techniques to out outframe his opponents and to to undercut them. It became clear that he was getting coached if he hadn't already been taught about these techniques. I I, I later researched online and saw that Tony Robbins had actually invited him to to uh to give a talk and uh, so we know at least one place that Tony Robbins and Donald Trump uh, spent time together. Um, and of course, Tony Robbins went to, uh, to Moscow even after Trump was elected to do a big program there. Interestingly, uh, many of the Russian citizens having been raised in authoritarianism, totalism, many of them have automatic, um, warning lights that go off, uh, with, with, uh, with anyone who says with certitude that they know, they know what, how to fix things. And they didn't really like Tony Robbins all that much. That was at least according to the media that I saw. Donald Trump for people who've been around malignant narcissists, cult leaders, especially as I was with Moon so many hundreds of times, it, it was just uh, startling to me or frightening to me just how, how much he was operating from that arrogant, condescending, grandiose, pathological <laughs> lying mindset. And it was, of course, repulsive to me.
0: Right. In a situation like that, when you're so shocked and you only have five seconds to react, you're probably not reacting in a way that you normally would. You're at an extreme disadvantage.
1: Yeah. And then add the authority of, of someone who's, you know, so, so-called billionaire or someone who's a supposed celebrity or something like that. For an average person, there's a certain amount of conditioning everybody has around uh, the cult of celebrity. Wow, you're a celebrity, you know You're special
0: (laughs) For people who might not necessarily understand The automatic reactions that some cult members have You put it in a very clean, clear way in the book You describe, if somebody asks you to pass the salt at dinner You don't sit there and have a discussion about it Your brain actually doesn't go, wait, what? Should I pass the salt to this person? Why do they want the salt from me? You just do it I found this to be an extremely effective way to reframe how cult members react to direct questions and directives.
1: My assertion is that with destructive cults programming, actual identities, pseudo identities are being created with alternate memories, as well as beliefs and language, and the person's real self is being suppressed. So... uh, and, and, and my work helping people exit is not just coaching families how to how to empower the person, the real person to think for themselves and see that the pseudo identity isn't their true self, but also to help people recover. But I, I want to mention a, a Nobel Prize winning book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman and he won a Nobel for behavioral economics, but he was a psychologist. And essentially the book is filled with with scientific experiments that demonstrate that we have an unconscious mind that operates off of heuristics that are completely out of our consciousness. And so we're on automatic pilot most of our days. And only occasionally do we need to go to the slow part of our brain, which is the frontal cortex, where we need to analyze and and and, and look at data, and 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 disconnect from our gut sense and our instincts, etc. Um, and that we need to have both parts of our brains. But ultimately, what I believe is that unconscious processing needs to be understood consciously so that you understand what confirmation bias is for example which is we have a tendency to only let in information that confirms an existing belief and therefore we are screening out information and experiences and filters of things that disconfirm it unless we have a researcher academic frame that we're operating And we can step out of ourselves and look at us as, you know, organisms.
0: I think we've all seen in the last three years that there are people who they can't quit the drip of Fox News and sources that confirm their confirmation bias and that help really galvanize their worldview And this is one of those places where this is the exact same set of behaviors that we see with people who are still involved in cults. So let's talk about the bite model, because you were the originator of the bite model. And how does it explain this phenomenon?
1: I took Robert Lifton's eight point model and and Margaret Singer, who was an army psychologist studying Chinese communist brainwashing. She has a six condition model and I put together what I call the bite model of mind control and the B stands for behavior control the I for information control the T is thought control and the E is emotional control and what I did was I took Leon Festinger's model that he used to uh, to form the cognitive dissonance theory which is he said we have thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and that we like to be consistent. We want to do behaviors that are consistent with our beliefs, and we feel that we feel is, is the right thing to do. And when there's conflict, and, and one of those three changes dramatically, he said the other two will shift to reduce dissonance. And I took that concept, which I thought could really be aptly applied to mind control environments. And I I fleshed out a whole series of uh, examples or variables for each of those. But here's, here's where I'm going. Uh, Information control is what I felt was missing from that, that model. And when you were just describing how people can get into information silos That's exactly a description of the unethical side of the influence continuum where you have this not only uh, lies being told lies, including withholding information, distorting existing information to make it more accessible as well as outright lies where you are demonizing any other information that 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 says what you're saying is a lie. You're monitoring each other. You're informing on each other. There's a hierarchy of what you are allowed to believe, and and people are told uh, to keep it down. And what's really scary for me in this digital age, especially after hearing about the Cambridge Analytica stealing 87 million people's profiles on Facebook, and we think it's a lot bigger number than that, by the way, um, is that unlike in the seventies when I was being recruited into the cult where they depended on me telling them verbally, uh, that I have two older sisters and that I, you know, my mother's an art teacher and all these different key things about who I was in this digital age. Um, uh, people who want to mind control specific individuals can, can buy their profiles. Well, every time you like something on Facebook, it can be contained within a computer algorithm that describes with 90% accuracy which buttons will work if they're pushed for you.
0: There's a really frightening idea here that governments that are run by cult-like dictators or cult-like leaders they can rely on things like Facebook to help them target people that are their enemies. They can target anybody who has liked an Antifa page or liked a page that's against the police officers or ICE agents. And they can, they can target them and they can get them in extrajudicial ways.
1: And they are. I believe Peter Thiel, who's a major Trump supporter, owns mm-hmm. uh, Palantir which is a, a AI supercomputer system for exactly this point of gathering profile data from, it's called um, uh, uh, data mining and, and using deep data to, to again, to, to, to build profiles on people, to know their weaknesses, as you said, they're their liabilities, but also how to, how to get them to react, uh, and predict their behavior. And, and so we, we really, as a species really, really need to sit down and say, what do we want our world to look like in the coming hundred years? Because we really are um it really can get very total totalistic and authoritarian very fast and my my biggest fear is china because of how big they are and how, how dictatorial she is and is using even dna collection now in addition to facial recognition software and such
0: we've seen reporting on the rating system that the chinese government is about to unfurl that rates people not just on credit score, but on a number of different factors.
1: Exactly, so they're conditioning people using things from the behavior mo- uh, behavior control part of the bite model to do rewards and punishments, social, social rewards and punishments to condition people to be good citizens.
0: The book lays out several different criteria for a very effective cult leader among those criteria are malignant narcissism walk me through what the profile is of a cult leader
1: well they tend to all have very um, uh, troubled childhoods and sense of lack of secure Attachment is the latest psychological theory, which is the, the essence of having a healthy sense of self and the essence of de- developing the capacity for empathy and social perspective taking. And so all of these folks seem to have such a strong narcissistic component because they're, they're compensating for a lack of feeling good about themselves with looking outside for attention and wanting people to like them or wanting to, to feel important because they weren't fundamentally, they didn't feel the love that, that those of us who are fortunate to be raised with secure attachment uh, felt when our mothers held us and our fathers held us and told uh, us that we were, we were loved and how special we were. Um, yeah, I wrote in the book that Fred Trump would say to his boys, You are a killer. You are a king. You are a killer. You are a king. And he raised them in the the Norman Vincent Peale church of positive thinking, where if you just believe something 100%, God will magically make it true. And that sin was doubting and questioning yourself or questioning what you were doing and so he was conditioned and then he was sent to a military school and sent away from home and he fell under the influence of of uh, a fellow named Tobias there with stereotypical cult leaders is they they all say that they know everything they think they're the smartest people on earth they're very grandiose they have a really hard time apologizing in a sincere way or or saying, yep, I was wrong. They like to blame everybody else. They like to project their own darkness onto everybody else. So whenever Trump says things like doing a coup, he's thinking coup. That he wants the dr- coup, right? What's different about malignant narcissism? And Eric Fromm is the the person who uh, coined that term. He he adds the sociopathic elements, the sadism, the, the feeling above the law, liking to to treat people like they're, they're objects, to to manipulate them and control them, and to harm people. And that's part of the the sadism. And I would like to, to cover, if you don't mind, the, the whole element of how totalist mind control cults are influencing the current administration, because I, I really don't think he's smart enough to be the author of a lot of what's happening. And I think that powerful billionaire people with vested interests have been pulling a lot of the strings. So what we do know is that his campaign was was uh, in utter ruin 12 weeks before the election until the billionaire Mercer came in and installed Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway. And and Steve Bannon, who was, who was Breitbart at that point, did a psyops operation quite effectively. Who am I asserting is behind um, uh, Donald Trump pulling a lot of the strings? I assert Vladimir Putin. And Russian cyber war is continuing to be exercised. And uh, Alex Jones had done at least 1,000 stories directly from Russia TV which is uh, Putin's propaganda arm. And uh, many of his stories would then go to Breitbart, which would then go to Fox and then spread to all these uh, radio talk shows, as well as religious media. I want to talk about a cult called the family or the fellowship. It was founded 80 years ago by Abram Viridi, as explained by Jeffrey Charlotte in his two books and Netflix as a docuseries now of five hours, which I highly recommend, uh, especially for people who don't read books. Watch the Netflix series if you want to understand how a totalist mind control cult that was saying basically born in the era of the Cold War. Saying, you know, communism is an atheistic cult. We need one for Jesus that it operates just like them, but for Jesus only. This is a group that started the National Prayer Breakfast and has been operating with Democratic as well as Republican presidents, has been working to, to, with dictators around the world. In some cases, overthrowing democratically elected leaders to install autocratic dictators who are willing to play ball with them and and elements of the the CIA and other intelligence agencies against Russia. Then I talk about, and and I should say that Chuck Colson recruited Michael Pence into the family and Michael Pence was assigned to, to be the transition team person to bring in the cabinet so there is a an agenda going on, what we call Christian white nationalism or dominionism, maybe a better term, of of a group of cat, ultra right wing Catholic and Protestants who want to basically take away gay rights, take away the woman's right to choose in terms of uh, of their bodies and abortion. And to insert their own autocratic vision, their theocratic vision, rather, for America. So they want God back in America, even if it it destroys uh, and discriminates human rights. And we heard the Attorney General William Barr on Friday, speaking at Notre Dame Law School, talking about this very same point. And, and I write in my book that I discovered that he was a director of an Opus Dei Center in Washington, D.C. And while he has never uh, stated he was Opus Dei, I've asked people how... Can, can there be non-Opus Dei people on the directorship of Opus Dei prelature? And the answer is no. Once one understands Opus Dei and realizes the founder was interested in politics and, and, and uh, it's a secret society and that he believed the, his own words, that it's okay to lie for God then one can understand how William Barr could do a four-page lie about the Mueller report and lie to congressmen and such. So this, this is a bigger concern, and I should say I'm not against religion and I'm not against God. I believe in a God of love and of justness and honesty and charity and kindness, And the kind of Christianity, and I should say New Apostolic Reformation, is critical to mention because they have millions of devout followers, and these are the folks who have apostles or uh, prophets running a megachurch or a smaller group that uh, cast out demons, speaks in tongues, does supposed faith healings and can order their members to do anything, because their members are so conditioned to believe that they are an apostle of God, and that if they don't do what their apostle asks them, that Satan is going to harm them, and they're going to go to hell. So there's a lot of true believers, and they're not evangelical Christians, because I know legitimate evangelical Christians, who don't Believe in trickery and lying for Jesus. You know, they know that real religious conversion, you need informed consent and not coercion. But it's the, these are his Trump's base.
0: You raise a point that's been raised on this show before. When we discussed Quiverful and we, we discussed FLDS, The survivors talked about this need, this abhorrence for government, but also this need for these types of groups to basically infiltrate the government and to basically force the government's hand to bend to their will.
1: I was on the treadmill uh, yesterday listening to a former colonel saying how he is aware that there are these extremist chaplains at Ranger in basic training and an army basic training who are convincing young recruits who are vulnerable at that point in their life that they need to, s- to be holy warriors for Jesus. And he raised the obvious question of, are these soldiers going to be obedient to the constitution or are they going to be obedient to who they think is doing Jesus as well? and it's very concerning because where are the values and can we trust people who are involved with secretive mind control cults to tell the truth about what they're doing and i'm telling you as a former leader of the moon cult we were taught to lie to the outside world because it was satanic. So, as Scientologists, they did TRL. They did uh, training routines for lying. Uh, Von Va- Va- Young told me he was one of the top PR people in Scientology. So, how are we going to deal with officials in the government who uh, lie because they have an allegiance to somebody else and not? The, the government and not to the Constitution.
0: One of the number one things about Trump's base that people find very confusing is this idea that you can be a devout fundamentalist Christian and support a man who used to support abortion and has been divorced several times and has multiple children with multiple different mothers and has acted in an immoral way in his business and his personal life for 40 years, how does that happen? Can you explain cognitive dissonance to us?
1: Many different people will, will deal with it in many different ways. But the one that I've heard that, that, that the narrative that dominates and, and, and the Christian Broadcasting Network is one of the largest media conglomerates in the world is this notion that he's a King Cyrus figure that, that Kings are, are corrupt and they lie and they harm women. But if God can use that person for a greater purpose, then we need to be obedient and and follow them. So that's the narrative that they are spun. And then other answers come up for me, like an element of thought control is something I talk about as thought stopping which is a behavior modification technique that people in mind control cults are taught. And Donald Trump was taught to do this with Norman Vincent Peale to stop any negative thoughts as they come up, to sing a song, to chant to yourself, to say a prayer, so that you don't think about all those dissonant data points that are in your face. I just want to say that I do believe that people can wake up and get out of mind control cults. I am an example of one. And I do believe that people, many, many people can be uh, educated about cult mind control. And that's the main reason I wrote the cult of Trump book was to get this information out and to empower especially former cult members and their family and friends who know this phenomenon is real, to make this a narrative that everyone is talking about, that this is not just pushed aside by other sensationalistic news talking points, but that mind control is real, that intelligent, educated people can be co-opted, to believe really totally different beliefs, things that don't make any sense, but that there are actually methods and techniques to help wake people up, which I've detailed in my books and my freedom of mind book specifically. I have chapter nine in the cult of Trump, and it starts with reaching out to believers who are in these groups, whether it's Scientology, Nexium, or Trumpers, and re- start reestablishing a legitimate relationship with your family and your friends through love, through respect and kindness and stop calling them names and start reminiscing over the good times you spent together and even if you have to to agree initially let's not talk politics and let's mm-hmm. let's just focus on on growing our kids up together, etc. and then after that learning about the bite model and mind control and the influence continuum and talk about China, China's doing reeducation programs on millions of people right now. Talk about how China brainwashes people. And then, then back into conversations about how do they understand uh, brainwashing and mind control being used right now in the United States, because I'm hearing right now, wing Trump supporters saying that I'm brainwashed by George Soros and the libtards and the global generalists. And as an expert on brainwashing, I want to have a conversation with them about brainwashing. Hey, you think I'm brainwashed? Tell me more. Let's talk about techniques. Let's talk about attributes. How, how will anyone know if they're brainwashed? And I, and I have a whole method. For and, and a process for helping people to, uh, to reality test their, themselves.
0: After your time with the Moonies came to an end, you were exit counseled. We used to call that deprogramming. You were exit counseled by people who had a relationship with Ted Patrick, who was the subject of one of our previous episodes. One of my
1: deprogrammers had been deprogrammed by someone who had been deprogrammed by Ted Patrick. So I'm two people removed from Ted Patrick directly.
0: Exit counseling looks fundamentally different now than it did back during the time when you were going through it. People are no longer kidnapped at the side of the road. People are no longer you know, locked up in hotel rooms and not allowed to leave. What does that look like now? Can you explain what exit counseling is about?
1: Any legitimate person doesn't want to do anything illegal that's going to get them into jail. And in the 70s, when I was doing deprogramming of Moonies for one year, a number of those cases were legal cases where the parents went before judges and got court-awarded conservatorships for one week to uh, to have legal custody of an adult who is in the moonies in order for that person to meet with me and to reconsider whether or not they wanted to spend their lives in the moonies and um w- with within uh, a number of months The ACLU got involved, Scientology was involved, the Moonies were involved, the Krishnas were involved, and then they started lobbying all the mainstream religions, saying that the programming is beating and torturing, and if you allow this, they're going to come after you next. And so they co-opted a political, I mean, a legal process that could potentially still be used today, ethically, I believe. First of all, there was never any beating and torturing that was all, you know, made up by the cults to scare members. I mean, I was told those stories. And in fact, that was one of the things that helped get me out was realizing that the people deprogramming me were nice and they were treating me nicely i wasn't being beaten and tortured and they were telling me genuine stories about their lives that i could relate to where it's gone to over the decades for me and this is especially because of the internet is how can i coach family members and friends and other concerned individuals former members and and even community activists How can I, uh, how can I train them to understand what they're dealing with and coach them on how to interact with people in cults in a way that gets them to start reality testing and simply put the most powerful single technique is asking a good question and giving a long period of silence and, and just waiting for the person to think about what you're asking. And then if they don't answer, to say, hey, I'm serious, I really am curious. What would you do if, if Moon got on a stage and said that he's now under psychiatric care and he's, he's on, on medication and he realized he's not the Messiah and you need to go home? What would you do? And, and just give a long silence. A cult member will say, oh, he would never say that. And you go, okay, we let's. I agree. He would never say it. Well, what if he did? What would you do? You know, we, what would you do with your life? What would you believe? And just to entertain a good question and to step back from, I know this is the truth. I know this is the way these are the bad people no, no, no. and step back and go, what if it's right? And what if it's wrong? What if the critics and the ex-members who I've been told to not believe, what if I should take the time and actually listen to them and evaluate their credibility and and look at the evidence that they're offering at what makes sense? Because if if I'm going to devote my time and energy to something, I I, I don't want it to be false. I don't want to be abused or exploited. I don't know anyone who likes that or wants that. They, every people, every person I've ever met says, "I want to know the truth. I want, I want to be respected. I want real love." They don't say, "Oh, I want to join a group that's going to exploit and abuse me, and spit me out as soon as I'm not working but hard enough for them." So the idea here, and this will sound drippy or syrupy, but I really believe in love. If it's your child who's in a cult or it's your brother or your sister or your wife or your husband or or your brother or your sister, and you genuinely care about this person, that's the power. That's the force that needs to guide a process to say, hey, I care about you. You know, you're important to me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. Um, and I do believe deep down inside the authentic self exists and, and knows that there's something wrong with whatever family system or, or religious group or political group or therapy group or large group awareness training group or MLM, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. There's an authentic self that knows there's something wrong. And so the, the, the art is how to, to access, and, and empower that part to have more knowledge and to be able to be more assertive and what is good about the times in which we live is that if a person has access to a computer system like a, at a library if they're not on a cult's computer and start start researching just understand that the cults manipulate search engine algorithms And that there's a lot of phony, phony uh, sites out there with false information and and, uh, ad hominem attacks on me, for example, that have no basis in reality, but create confusion and analyze and think clearly. And then then connect with people that you trust to reality tests because it's the strength in numbers. And you want to hang out with people who don't agree with you all the time. Very healthy
0: in your practice and in freedom of mind Institute what what are the main goals right now
1: I'm hoping that the that more cases like Keith Rennery being found guilty of racketeering and sex trafficking and involuntary servitude will be brought where we can then help to explain judge, to judges and juries how the mind can be manipulated to uh, believe and do antisocial things.
0: Something that's come up on this show before is that Scientology was watching the Nexium verdict with a lot of interest. Do you think that they're probably shaking in their boots a little bit because the prosecution was able to get conviction on all counts?
1: Absolutely. I know that they're going to be doing everything in their power in the appeal to to to, uh, to overturn it, but the prosecutors were smart. They didn't, they, in in this in a strategic sense of not getting into uh, what is a cult and and other things. They just stuck with fraud, force, and coercion, which is the definition of trafficking. You know, and demonstrated those concerning behavior.
0: I was excited to see in the book that you covered the topic of the use of NLP in the Nexium story because that's something that didn't always get covered but I think is a really important piece of the puzzle that oftentimes these women who joined the group were being hypnotized essentially and given NLP based prompts for their behavior
1: right they don't they don't understand it and I've done little videos for my website freedomofmind.com on NLP and I wrote about in Combating Cult Mind Control my, my year with the founders of NLP uh, when, I, when I first discovered the world of hypnosis and uh, learned a lot but realized it was an amoral system that could be used to really harm people and at that point I wanted to get trained by ethical people and they told me I needed a master's degree to, to do so and I went and got a master's degree and then I started getting trained by the top hypnotherapists and, and, and clinicians in the world. And so a major piece uh, of mind control I believe is accessing and utilizing altered states of consciousness where people aren't thinking critically and analytically so they can be more easily programmed with new beliefs and ideas.
0: Something else that has come up on this show more than once is the existence of something called cult hopping, which is when somebody goes from one group to another, whether that's they go from an MLM group to a cult or a cult to a business cult or a cult to an MLM It is a phenomenon that we actually don't have any great numbers on and we don't have any good reporting on. We know why it's so hard to get this kind of data, but what can be done right now to help us understand this better?
1: You hit on something worth doing, which is I I experience many people from, you know, had left Scientology, the Moonies, World Mission Society, and other cults who are Trumpers, as well as just people going from one group to another, especially if they are born in it. So I do think that that there there does need to be research um, in this in this area. I guess I want to comment that yes, in the last few years, I've I've decided that I the focus on the legal system itself and in influencing judges and juries uh, relies heavily on science and being able to say that, you know, mind control is not a fringe theory, but in fact, you know, it can be demonstrated that it actually exists and and what are its aspects and how to identify it. But I, I really, um, I think of myself primarily as a clinician, someone who helps people as a therapist and, and as a healer, uh, and then secondarily as an activist and someone who thinks that it's a critical, uh, if not the most important thing right now in the 21st century that people understand the mind and how uh, psychological warfare works uh, and how mind control works so they can protect themselves and as well as help others.
0: Steve, thank you so much for being here today. There will be information in the description of the episode about where to buy the Cult of Trump, and the other books that you've written. Thank you for listening to On Belief, a podcast about cults. I'm Karen Geyer. You can follow me at at K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, or follow the podcast on Instagram or Twitter at OnBeliefPod. And you can contribute to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer. You can also visit our website. It's just onbelief.com.